summer, experience the magic. I feel like I could move almost anything in the world. And discover the power. Have a carrot. Of Matilda. From the author of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and James and the Giant Peach, Matilda, rated PG, at theaters Friday. Welcome to the podcast, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my handsome husband and co-host, Tyler Wilson. I'm waving. Hello, everybody, he says with his wave. Today we are talking about Matilda from 1996. Oh, and I am so excited. I've been wanting to do this one for the podcast for a while. So if you remember, if you listened to our last episode, which was on hmm, Stuart Little, we also did a segment on quarantine movies because of, you know, being it being 2020. And one of the u- interesting ones that you brought up uh, was Matilda. Yes. Uh, because it's not what you would... It's not per- like a quarantine movie, like li- like in a literal sense, like some of the other ones we we talked about. But uh, we can talk about why you brought it up as we get into the movie. But I thought it was a good choice, and it was a good excuse for you to get us to watch this movie. Yes. I've been wanting to watch it for a while. I was shocked and appalled that you do not own this movie. I know. Well, I was actually surprised that we didn't, because um, we had to rent it. But now a little birdie told me that it's really cheap on Amazon, so I'll probably end up getting that DVD anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the other thing which I thought was funny, if you do do go back and listen to that quarantine episode and Stuart Little, the Stuart Little part, eh, but the quarantine part, what was fun about that discussion was, like, the movie that we, there was two movies we talked about off mic why this idea arose. One of them was The Shining, which we talked about, and the other one was a movie that I don't think we'll probably do in the podcast, at least for a long time, because it's, like, one of my all-timers. And that's Groundhog Day, which is kind of like the obvious quarantine movie of the moment. And there's been a lot of discussion about that online, obviously. But it was odd that in the episode, we didn't actually mention that oh, <laughs> movie. Yeah. Which I thought it was weird. We forget. So, just, you know. I mean, this... Some this, corrections and notes. Does, I mean, yeah. Because this is Groundhog Day. <laughs> right. For, for some of us. Uh-huh. Especially those of us who are staying at home. It can just feel like the same day over and over We're and the Frady Cats, apparently. But even, like... I mean, I'm working from home. I'm doing 10-hour days, so I'm online working my little tail off 10 hours a day. But it still, like, melts into the weekend. Mm-hmm. So it's still hard to know, like, what day of the week is it? Anyway. It is So, strange. Groundhog Day. It's a strange time. Um, well, in addition to talking about Groundhog Day, Tyler, what have you been watching recently? Well, Because that's what we do in the podcast. We talk about that. Last night, we watched something together. It yes. was a movie that was supposed to come out in theaters in April, but uh, obviously it didn't get to come out. But it was one that Netflix bought and just put out uh, about a month after its supposed release date. And that's The Lovebirds, which is uh, Kumail Nanjiani and Issa Rae. And it was a, it's a comedy where they are in a long-term relationship, but things have begun to sour. And then they accidentally hit a guy with their car. And that's just the start of a very crazy... Uh, night of escapades and whatnot the premise Mm -hmm. um, made me think of date night with tina fey it is very similar yep where it's like they're out and about and then like some hijinks happens and they get involved in some crazy ass shit as just like regular people but i love what's his name 
Kumail Nanjiani. Kumail. Yep. He's so funny in everything he's I've ever seen him in. So I was really excited to watch this. And we haven't seen Issa Rae's show, but I we've seen her do other things and her comedy and stuff like that. And I think she's really funny and they're really good together in the movie. Um, what it, I didn't like about this movie, Tyler, mm-hmm. was that it was like it was like watching a movie with like an Indian version of you. Because oh. <laughs> he's like curmudgeonly, he has comments about fucking everything. But he's lovable. And they're like funny comments, but like when you've been with someone, and so this is the point where she's at, you know, they've been together for four years. So the monologues he goes on about like... But he's lovable. <laughs> What was the one monologue that he went off on? And then she was like, no more of those monologues. I don't remember. It was so funny. It just makes me think of all the, you know, you're in a relationship and you all have like your things, your typical things that you complain about that's funny. That are lovable. He is lovable. Looks good in a tux. Oh, he looks so good in like that purple shiny tux. So I wanted to point out, it it seems, so he is doing a Marvel movie that he filmed already, um, The Eternals, I think, and he got jacked right for that movie and it's funny because there's a part of this movie where i don't want to spoil it because it's funny but he there's a point where his shirt comes off and they don't film his chest because i think because he i mean he looks good just in clothes right yeah but i have a feeling they were like they didn't want to show off his i think he was probably getting ripped and was already ripped when he made this and they didn't want to like show him being ripped it doesn't align with the character right so the character's like a filmmaker because there's a reason why you would you would want to see his chest in that moment. I'm not going to say the joke, but there's a reason why you do want to get a look at his chest because something has happened. Yeah, I um, forgot about. I didn't but they think don't actually that. show you, and I think it's because he was too ripped. <laughs> Probably. I mean, it really does make sense to me. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that's funny. Super funny movie. Yeah, it's funny. It's uh, Michael Showalter is the director. He uh, d- did like Wet Hot American Summer, and uh, is it we? What's the Amy Poehler one that he, and Paul Rudd one I like, but you don't think is we belong together. Or we we came together. Not we came together. Doesn't sound right. Um, it's like the spoof of romantic comedies. But I love Wet Hot American Summer, and I like the show that they the Netflix stuff they did too. And he's really funny. He's a funny filmmaker. It's you're right. I mean, it's it's a, a plot we've seen. It's a pretty standard movie. It's nothing special, but it made us laugh. And it felt like a real. It, here's the difference. It didn't feel like a Netflix movie. Like, because Netflix makes some really good movies. They make Irishman, Roman, all that stuff. But sometimes they put all these movies on there that are like, like they're B movies. They're like made for TV movies. Like Mark Wahlberg's like Spencer Confidential that was on Netflix, or the Michael Bay Ryan Reynolds yeah. movie that we didn't even get through because so, like, it's just has like, stars. Yeah, has good, maybe even like good movie makers. But but it, then it's just it's a made for TV movie. It, it feels, and that seems weird to say because obviously six hundred the six hundred ground movie was very expensive. I think Spencer Confidential is, looks slick. It's just that it just feels like yeah, I can see why this was not chosen for theaters. Whereas this one was kind of like was necessary that it had to go because it you know there's no point of holding on to all these movies, especially if they're they've got nothing to the studio on. They sold it off, got some money from Netflix, and they, they did that. There's a few more that are doing that. Tom Hanks has a war movie that now that he sold, they sold now to Apple Plus or whatever, and just a few more of these. The Jet Apatow movie's Who coming out. Track? So a few, if anything, it's like, costs less than $100 million or even like $200 million they're thinking about releasing because... But then again, they're not filming anything right now, so they're gonna need some stuff later. True. Um, I'm glad that- this came out. I needed something that was fresh. Well, I particularly liked about this movie is that it starred two minorities because i feel like we don't get movies like that there might be one minority but this one actually stars two and it's a fun romantic comedy that's like 
that like white people can still enjoy. It's not like um, um you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I don't. Like, oh, that is like this is a movie for black people to watch, and it's like white people don't want to. I don't. I I I don't know what I'm saying. No, you don't. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be racist, but I feel like this is a broad comedy that a lot of people can relate to. That stars minorities. I which think is what good. you're saying is that it's yes. not pandering to a certain demographic. Is that what you're saying? Sure. That yeah. sounds much better. I think that's what you mean, <laughs> that it's not pandering. And you as a minority are apparently allowed to say no, insensitive things I'm inadvertently. I'm definitely not. That's not what I'm trying to say. No. But I did I, like it, and I like how they use it in the movie, but like not in like a typical annoying way. Yeah, they and use it in a way that it, that actually the whole movie kind of hinges on, which I love. Yes. And it, they have enough fun with that to... Uh, to that it works. It's not. It doesn't feel like a pander job, which I yeah. think is important. Yeah. When you start, it's just like a movie. They could have. It could have been cast with other people, but I like that they cast these two people. So yeah, yeah, I like that. What was that one movie that I wanted to see that was like in theaters, and I knew it was going to be a bad movie, and it was a comedy, and it was like he's in the back of a taxi cab or something. Stuber. Yeah, I, we still haven't seen Who that. Who stars in that? Kumail Nanjiani. Okay. And. Uh, Dave Batista. Yeah. But I, I don't know. We never saw it. It's on video. We could probably watch it at some point. I, I bet this movie is better than that I think, movie. I think it is better. Just in generally yeah. what people have said. Yeah. So, yeah. Although, it kind of, they'll start in the same way, don't they? That, I, that's <laughs> why I was like, this is familiar. Something happens in a car. Yeah. Anyway. So that was pretty good. Enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, nothing special, yeah. but so go, go watch it on Netflix. You'll so enjoy it. It's easy. Um, that was Lovebirds. I also watched the thing that everybody... I was late, so I, I watched the thing that everybody else watched, but unlike when we all watched Tiger King at the same time, I was a little behind the times on The Last Dance, the 10-part Chicago Bulls documentary that ESPN did, but I'm personally glad I waited, because that means when I turned it on, they were all available to me. I didn't have to wait for two a week or whatever, and yeah. so I could go at my own pace, which I... Enjoyed because there's like commercials in between, and sometimes there's just, com- excuse me. It's on the ESPN app. I think Netflix will get it eventually, but it was on the ESPN. Oh, thing. I, th- I didn't realize you were watching on that. Yeah, though. so okay. there's some commercial breaks in between. It's like the same three commercials. It's super frustrating. Ugh. Same commercials over and over again, over Ugh. and over again. And they're all just like, "We're here for you during COVID, and we have money to spend on advertising, advertising. because our our industry is not affected." And blah blah blah. You know what? You're pandering. Fuck you. <laughs> pandering. Fuck you. Um. So how how was the ode to the well Michael Jordan? I mean, I knew this was going to be something I watched. I don't watch the NBA at all anymore. I mean, no one's watching it right now, yeah. but. Uh, I kind of lost interest, but back in high school, in back the in 90s, like baby. like many of us, yes. I was uh, obsessed with uh, the Chicago Bulls, and mm-hmm. I loved Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about this in our episode of Space Jam, a movie that Probably. is not the movie you remember. <laughs> it is not, and I'm sure I mentioned in Space Jam how I love Scottie Pippen. Yep, and there's some more Scottie Pippen in here, although. I would say that you would probably be frustrated with the way that Scottie Pippen gets depicted in this show. That's annoying. Because... He was really good. He Oh, yeah, no, he's... No, they, it gives him his due. Don't get me wrong. It gives him totally his due. It's just that, uh, you know, eh, Michael Jordan, he, he well, got the spotlight. And he, it's not the Scottie Pippen show. It's the Michael Jordan show. So, it's a... So, I mean, I I, I loved the the Bulls when I was younger. I... The, see, the, the, the arc of the documentary is that it takes place over their last season together, which was 98 or whatever. And it flashes back throughout 
mostly Michael Jordan's career, but also Scottie Pippen and also Dennis Rodman and a little bit of other people, Phil Jackson. Um, so what's what I liked about that is that I and they had they had all this new footage because they were apparently filming this whole season, and so we got a lot of behind the scenes, uh, whatever that was new. And I, I mean, that was a season that I watched the NBA probably the most I've ever watched the NBA. Whenever there, because I knew that Michael Jordan, the, it was like the writing was on the wall. We knew that they were gonna, and the documentary gets into why, but we knew it was gonna end. So anytime there was a Bulls game on TV, which was like whatever on the weekend, it was ABC or NBC, TNT, whoever had it, I watched them, and then I watched the entire playoffs that season. I mean, it was like my big year of watching the NBA of more than any other year, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So. A lot of that is like a rush back when you watch all that and you remember these things. And I remembered a lot of the, the other stuff. Cause I, I mean, I was really into it during their second run. They won six. There was a period when he retired for a little while to play baseball. And then I was really into those. La- I mean, that's just when I was paying attention. I was the perfect age for it. Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of that time period, you're just gonna eat this documentary if up. you're an old millennial yeah you're you're basically in it to win it for that one and, you know and it, and it does provide enough of uh enough things I, I mean i think as you grow up you do realize that michael jordan certainly wasn't perfect he definitely had you know but the gambling stuff was apparent at the time but i mean i think that what the documentary gets into is that he was while the best basketball player of all time and very successful at leading a team, he was kind of an asshole to his teammates, and that was the way he got the job done. And so they talk about that, and it's, and then you, and and then you think maybe like, does that put a blemish on Michael Jordan at all? And I would say no. I think it's it just kind of colors the the icon a little bit more, and you're just like, oh wow, like, yeah, he's this is what he did to get get it done, and yeah, a lot of people maybe wouldn't do it the same way. Steve Kerr who went on to coach the Golden State Warriors, and they're kind of in the midst of their mini-dynasty, or it's pretty much a reign dynasty now. they won several times. He doesn't really... He's not in the... He's kind of in the later episodes because he wasn't with the team earlier, and he gets into kind of just, like, how he was treated with Michael Jordan. You can tell that he just, like... He's like, I didn't work for him, and he, you just get the sense he does not how he coaches his team, and he's found success. So I like that dichotomy, knowing what you know about that, knowing what that Phil Jackson would go on to the Lakers and win all of these other titles, and... Mm-hmm. So it colors the whole thing. Now, I will say that it's 10 hours, and someone who knows the Michael Jordan story pretty well didn't necessarily need all these flashbacks to all of his... Because there's like 40 minutes on his college career, and then there's, you know, all this time about the Detroit Pistons when Rodman was over there. And it's just like, I like the main storyline of like, this is ending... Scotty Pippen is miffed and he's not getting, he's never not been getting the due or the pay he's deserved. And so the main storyline of the, the documentary I loved. And then the other stuff was, it was, it was fine. I mean, I, a lot of it is entertaining and really fun to watch. But I mean, to me, the documentary is the documentary when it is in its own narrative flow. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's good. I think one night I said, like, I was complaining to you. It's like, so you, you don't really like it? I was like, oh, no, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were bitching about it. Yeah, you're like, no, no, it's good. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's, you know, it's just like, all right, I know that. But maybe that's just me being like, mm, I used to know, I, I followed the team. Maybe that's why. Maybe I was just like, yeah. I remember this, so. But you usually like to reminisce, so I'm kind of surprised by that. Yeah, no, I but I, overall, I yeah. enjoyed it very much. And I think you would have enjoyed it but you were just so anti-watching that i know i was so like trying to get to sleep before midnight what a dummy i did watch all of that exclusively pretty much after midnight yeah 
over the course of a few nights. Yeah. <laughs> and again, Tyler, you watch these and then you're a total dick the next day. That's so not great true. If Why do you just get some you sleep? paint me as a villain on this show? <laughs> you are the villain. I guess I'm the villain of our the world that you've made up on the on the old millennials. Yeah. You're the old millennial villain. I'm the one they all love to hate when they listen to us. Yeah, totally. Oh, I hate that guy. I hate He's that guy. He's abusive to his wife. He's so mean. Mm-hmm. Anyway, speaking of opportunities for you to be mean it to me, mm. while you were watching a docu-series... Yeah, and you were watching what you're going to say after midnight I don't on know. some nights. I don't know so when I was whatever. watching it. I think I was mostly watching it while I was watching our kids... You know, like, I watch these shows on my phone with headphone, like a headphone <laughs> in, which means I'm half parenting and half watching the so- show, so I'm doing both very poorly. Mm-hmm. But when you're watching a show like Riverdale, you don't really need to be watching. And I will tell you, I'm watching the latest, I've finished watching the latest season on Netflix, and I just did not really care for it, which is unusual for me to say. Now, I will always admit that these shows are bad, but mm-hmm. I usually still enjoy them. And I have to say, this last season was just blech. And then it ended just like, it ended on too much of like a unclosed cliffhanger. So that was just annoying. Is it the fact that Jason Priestley is, is it Jason Priestley that died? No. That's another guy. Fuck you, Tyler. Who is it? Luke Perry. Luke Perry. I knew that. Get the fuck out of here. I was saying they should get Jason Priestley on the show to replace Luke Perry. No. Is it because Luke Perry is not in that season? Is that what the problem is? I don't know what the problem is, but it wasn't good. I'll tell you what. You were watching an episode that was apparently a musical. Oh, it was terrible. And I listened to you watching it for like five minutes, and I thought it was horrible. It was horrible. I was like, if you can't do a musical episode properly, then what are you doing? Just like, don't do one. I, I don't... I don't know if it's because I was half watching the season, but I, uh, what I did learn about myself is that I think that if I am to watch a show that has teenagers in it, that's f- featured in, in high school, then there needs to be some supernatural elements beyond There's just no like... There's no supernatural elements in It's not show? supernatural. It's more like... Archie's hair is supernatural. It's more like, it reminds me like it's trying to be Pretty Little Liars, mm. where there's like a murder and a mystery, yeah, and they're like the Scooby gang trying to solve it, but... On a Pretty Little Liars are way better than this show. Okay. Uh, anyway, so I, uh, I... I find this revelation shocking because I will say, our I think our last date out before all of this happened, we went into a store and you bought like a $3 Riverdale tank top. I did. It was on clearance and it like, was $3. Yeah. Property of Riverdale XXX. Yeah. And now how do you feel about owning that? You just want to throw it in the garbage, I don't mean, you? No, it's fine. It's, it's still cute, but... Uh... <laughs> But, uh, you got a Batman one that day, too. And that was I pretty did. good. That was both on Clarence. Good deal. Yeah. Good deal. I yeah. didn't approve of that Riverdale thing, but it's ultimate fodder to make fun of you. It is. Like, um, look at the nerd walking in with our Riverdale tank top. I will say that... Also, I was like, ooh, tank top. I have been thinking more about uh, the latest season of Charm that I finished watching, wishing that the Riverdale season was as good yeah. as that season. But I think it's because I like supernatural you stuff. like wizards and shit. Wizards, witches... Werewolves, vampires. Guys with long beards and staffs. I mean, I did watch Merlin back in, like, 2012. That's a good series, too. Little monsters and a guy on a rock going, you can't pass. Yes. That's Lord of the Rings. I know it is. He says, you can't pass. That's the words he says exactly, verbatim. Exactly. You can't pass. Hey, 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 hey. You can't pass. You actually just go, and he just uh, 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 and he sh- and he just shoes uh, him away uh, with his leg. Uh, didn't say the magic word. Didn't say the magic word. That'd be fine. Okay. So, that's what we've been watching. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to do this? Matilda. Matilda. Hi, Stats. 
brought to you by me. Okay. Matilda came out on August 2nd, 1996. It is rated... PG. PG. Clocks in at, what's your guess? 97... No, 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 no. 88 minutes. I mean, no. It was an hour and 42 minutes. I was... The 97 would have been closer. Yeah, it would have. You fucked I watched it. (laughs) Um, It's based on the book, as you heard in the trailer there, by uh, Roald Dahl. James and the Giant Peach and Willy Wonka... Or, excuse me, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. There you go. Directed by Danny DeVito... Danny Stars DeVito, yeah. Danny DeVito, Rhea yeah. Perlman, Mara Wilson, mm-hmm. um, and the budget. Let's talk about that. Okay. How much do you think uh, it took to make this movie? Twenty million. Thirty-six million. Okay. That feels expensive. Ugh. There's some and special it, effects. Ugh. There's some special effects. It only grossed thirty-three million. Yeah, it didn't do very well. What? I kind of remember it not doing very well, actually. What? Yeah. What? I know. I How? Know. This movie's so good. Well, I well, I think that I'm shocked it's, by that. I, I think I have an answer for that. But we can get into that in a minute. Because we need to do what we remember. Okay. But this is a part of the show. We write down, before we watch the movie, what we remember about it, before we watch it. And then Which, we see yeah. what Are what we it accurate? Is. What do we remember? Mm-hmm. Do we, did we not remember it? Generally, you uh, don't remember much. But this is a case where you definitely remembered a lot more than I did because I got this confused with another movie. <laughs> yeah, this was a, a family favorite. Yep. Pretty certain we owned it because we watched it a lot. We watched it way more than renting. If you think you owned it, tell me this. Did the the, the, the VHS come in a regular sleeve or was it a clamshell? I want to say clamshell. Yeah, because all the other kid movies, the other people were like, we're going to copy those Disney folks when they do like kid movies. Yeah. So was a clamshell. I bet you... I don't know. I didn't have it. I'm just asking if you Yeah, remember. we had this. We had Miracle on 34th Street. Also, clamshell. Also the Mara Wilson one. We had that one. We had a clamshell of the Miracle yeah. on 34th Street. Yeah. Although I think at your parents' house, uh, they have all their VHSs that apparently they've had forever, and I always look at them. And they have a Miracle on 34th Street down there, but I'm pretty sure that it's not a clamshell. Oh. So maybe they did both versions? Because I remember distinctly having a clamshell of that. No, it's a clamshell. Is it? My whole now world I don't is disrupted. Know. Now we don't know. Is it Berenstain Bears or Berenstain? Don't I don't know. know. Okay, here's what I remember okay. about Matilda from 1996. Matilda is a genius young girl who has wretched and abusive parents, played by Danny DeVito and his actual wife, Pearl... Uh, I forgot. Rhea Perlman. Rhea Perlman. So I was close. Yeah. They send her to this horrible school where the principal likes to put kids in a spiked torture chamber because she's super evil and in cahoots with the abusive parents. Miss Honey is a perfect dream of a teacher who provides respite for Matilda and in a very movie way ends up adopting her at the end. This movie is great. So my description is I want it's not good. So but I want it to be the record of state because you always accuse me when I'm very accurate being like you cheated you looked it up or whatever and I think I'm submitting this as something that clearly I didn't and I don't because I did not get this right. I appreciate that you use the phrase I'm submitting this. Yeah I'm submitting this to the record. To the evidence. Right. Okay. Which is odd because once we actually started the movie I remembered every aspect of it. It was just it came back to me but I clearly had not seen it in a long time. But anyway I got some of it. Okay. It's okay. that little Wilson girl from Mrs. Doubtfire in Miracle 34th Street. Mara? Yes, yeah, correct. got it. She's, like, adopted or something by Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman. Nope. nope. And DeVito directed the movie, maybe. Correct. Yep. 
Is Rosie O'Donnell in this being nice to Matilda? No, not no. even close. I don't remember this movie. That's what I wrote. <laughs> what I was getting confused with the same time period, uh, Rosie O'Donnell is in Harriet the Spy, which is, I mean, not really the same, but it's a kid movie with a female lead. So I got it. How dare you compare those? You dummy. I couldn't remember. It's the time of Rosie O'Donnell. It could have been. She could have been in that. She was popular then. Yeah. She was. She was she in was. stuff. She was in stuff. She at was that in time. Now and Then, which we also need to do for the podcast. She was in Harriet the Spy, which we probably don't need to do for the podcast, or we could. She was in A League of Her Own. Yeah. She was on the Rosie O'Donnell talk show. <laughs> I loved that show. She was in Tarzan, a I movie I do that. not like. I watched uh, the Rosie O'Donnell show with my she, mom all the time. Remember when she used to be obsessed with Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise. It was always yeah. like, she like the joke was like, oh, she's so in love with Tom Cruise, which is, I mean... Later, when she came out, obviously, was awkward. Obviously, that wasn't true. That's awkward. Maybe she thought he was. Maybe she thought she was cute. I mean, but then you know, it, it gets colored both ways because Tom yeah. Cruise. We found out. Well, we didn't find out. I think we knew then, but he was, you know, a Scientologist guy. Oh, I thought you were gonna say he's gay. I was like, whoa, well, I missed that fucking memo. Well, maybe um, you're not gonna hear me say anything negative about Tom Cruise. One, because it's on the record. Two, because he makes awesome Mission Impossible movies. But hey, you can be- sign me up. Yeah, you can be a gay woman and have a crush on Tom Cruise. Sure. 100%. No, but I'm just saying that was the big thing. And yeah. then for a while, he wouldn't go on the show or something until he did. So we're talking she about She also Matilda. threw stuff. She had like little things she'd Stop. throw at the screen or something. Remember that? Stop. Little fuzzball things. We can do a podcast episode on a movie squishy. that she's in, and then we can talk about Like her. a squishy thing? You know what I mean? What were those things so called? she wasn't in this movie. No, she wasn't. So we're not going to talk about her, Tyler. But you know what those little things are, right? Shut the up. The little squishy balls, but they're like oh little... God. They're little... This is why hairs. I hate you so much. Little hairs on them? I don't know. Yeah, remember our kids just had one and like two weeks ago popped it and then there was ooze no, all over that. That house? was not one of those. It was different. I'm talking about the ones that look like a little uh, spiky, look like a little virus or something. You know what I mean? Those little, That's uh, what I thought they popped. The purple one. No, that was a squishy that had like the, the netting around it and they squished oh, it out. No, I know what you're talking about. I thought you were talking about that purple one. We have a big one that has the spikies. Not, but it's like more pairs. Shut up. Okay. I'm gonna fucking hate you. Shut up. <laughs> I don't know what they're called. Okay, so we're talking about <laughs> Matilda. Your fucking memory of it was jack shit. Until we started playing it, then I remembered it. Okay. So, um, okay. Uh, can I say what well, I really like the introduction of this movie? For like a voiceover narration that kind of like carries you through the early parts of the girl before Mara Wilson shows up with a younger girl who's like, she's like a little girl. There's a couple things of the baby, right? But then we get a little tiny stretch with narration of like a four-year-old a four-year-old, girl. yeah. I like this. I think this is a nice way of handling the world, introducing it, us to her. It gives you that Roald Dahl kind of the narration I think fits really well. One thing that's odd is that Danny DeVito is doing the narration, but he's not doing the narration as his character in the movie. He refers to the character by his name and is acting like they're... So it's, he's playing two characters, essentially, in the movie. He's playing yes. the narrator and he's playing the dad. Yes. Which I thought was uh, a choice. Mm-hmm. It may be a little distracting, but it's fine. But in general, I liked this uh, this opening. Um, the car seat, they bring the baby home, and they just throw it in the back of the station wagon, yeah. and it's just sliding all sliding over the place. Sliding all over, you're like, oh, shit, these parents are terrible. And it's Rhea Perlman and Danny DeVito, who were married in real life. Apparently, they are, they are not married in real life, or they are, but they're separated, but they're friends. I don't know. But anyway, they were actually married and together at the time when they were doing this movie. Um, so yeah, there's the, they're the Wormwoods. We said that, right? Did you say that already? Nope. They're the Wormwood family, Mr. and Mrs. Wormwood. They have an older, like a son who's older, and he's kind of like the, that shithead, the Harry Potter, 
his older brother, his older, like, you know, the shitheads where yeah. Harry Potter lives, the same kind of deal. Yep. They like that kid or whatever, but they don't like the younger kid because it's whatever. I think they're just, they're sexist. It seems like they think that she's a girl. She's worthless, right? Mm-hmm. Is that kind of the idea? Mm-hmm. But I liked that there was this, um, you know, introduction that she could cook and that she was really smart and she learned how to read and she walked to the library every day, although the librarian, like, gave <laughs> yeah. her... It was weeks. She's like, oh, she walked every day and she read books. And then, like, finally, the librarian told her, you can check these books out. That's. Why didn't you tell her that on the first fucking day? Like, well, you know, the first day, you don't know why she's there. But, but like, maybe, like, the third day for sure. By the third day, she'd be like, you can get a you can get a library card, dear. You don't have to just sit here all day and read your book. You could bring the book four. home. Although she probably enjoyed going there. But one thing I liked about that, and I wrote it down because I thought it was a nice. Um, Nice thing, the vo- the voiceover narration that Danny DeVito said, these books gave her a comforting message that you are not alone. I thought that was a nice message. See? It's the start of the movie. It's very appropriate for quarantine time. So, yeah, I want you to, now that I talked about the introduction that I really liked, why did you, because I think we could, that, we've kind of introduced why you feel like it's kind of a, a quarantine I movie. think there are several reasons why. Okay, and if I it. actually sat down and thought through, I could probably come up with, like, a fun post number, like, 12 reasons why Matilda is the best quarantine movie do ever. People still, do those articles still get made? Because I stopped clicking on those years ago. Oh, no, I definitely still read those articles because oh, okay. I like them. But, I mean, other than, like, yeah, it's feeling like the Harry Potter situation. I, I get that that's a quarantine. Well, talk to me a little bit about, like, why you thought it was a good quarantine. My initial thought was um, Marion is our oldest girl who's mm-hmm. eight. And sometimes I feel like she's a bit of a Matilda. Mm-hmm. Maybe not, like, a genius. But she's pretty smart. And unfortunately, with quarantine, she's stuck at home. And we're like the Danny DeVito and the Rhea Perlman, <laughs> where we're, like, we're yeah. not... In total, totality, but definitely in regards to, like, a lot of moments where we're just kind of shitty. <laughs> um, not, like, abusive, but definitely, like, shitty parents. And I think that, like, those of us who are at home with several children and who are responsible for, like, fucking teaching them are just like, fuck your education, fuck you kids, leave me alone, shut up, Well, shut your mouth, go away. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the thing, it's, I'm glad that you bring it up with her specifically, because we have four. And the other three are either younger and or they've got more issues <laughs> that need to be tended to, you know what I mean? Sure. Like, because they just require more. And so she is the one that you don't have to do that as much with. So, yeah, she kind of tends to get, like... Yeah, just go deal with that. Like, can yeah. you deal with that? You're old enough. Figure it out. Yeah. Like, because you just you lean on that sometimes when you because she's like she gets she has the burden of being like normal and smart. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And she's the kid who like she has like a science project or something of like pick something you want to learn about. And then she's like, I want to learn about the human brain. It's like, who are you? You're like eight. And even her teacher was like, that's a very like intense subject. Do you know how long that assignment is supposed to be, by the way? No. Two paragraphs. (laughs) Oh my God. Are you serious? Yeah. She chose the brain. A two paragraph that's assignment. That's so cute because the way yeah. her, but teacher, which is a lot for her, like for her age and like it's yeah, not for that, third grade. Yeah, they're not um, supposed to write like a ton. But the way her, even her teacher was talking to it because I was listening to their Zoom conference. Yeah, it sounded like it was definitely going to be like a two or three page report. No, well she couldn't. Maybe she didn't tell me the truth. Probably not. That checks out. Uh, not on purpose. I just think that she might have just not known. Yeah. But that I thought it was funny. I was like, well, that's a big topic. How many? How long do you have to write it for? Oh, two paragraphs. <laughs> that's like. 
Okay, oh, that's okay. going to be... Uh, well, it really is. you got to pick and choose some of your facts then. Yeah, because there's literal <laughs> textbooks written on the brain. Lots of books, dear. lots of information about um, what you could write about. So that's one aspect, right? Yeah. And I also feel like our kids' teachers this year, our kindergartners and our third graders' teachers, what they were the Miss Honey. Oh, they yeah. were the, like... They were just lovely, delightful, intelligent, smart, sweet teachers that, like, we're we're actually pretty great parents, but I still feel like as they go to school, it's like a joy and it's an escape for them and they get to spend this time with this lovely person Mm -hmm. who cares so much about them. Our kindergartner had the same kindergarten teacher as our daughter, our older daughter did, and so... We knew that, she, and it was, it's perfect for, it was perfect for Marion for different reasons and it's perfect for Elliot. Elliot is just, he hides his, he thinks he's tough kind of a little bit, but he's still just a little boy. Yeah. And here's this person that gives him an excuse to just feel joy and like, he can like her without feeling like he needs to be big or something. Yeah. And so she, to have that taken away from them yep. this year just sucks because our older girl also just had a, a really great teacher yeah, this year. Yeah, just so. loved her so much. Yeah. And like the kindergarten teacher that Ellie has, I know never makes him feel bad if he doesn't know something. Yeah. Versus us who get frustrated. Who unintentionally do it, <laughs> yes. right? Because we love like, him, but we're like, focus, sit down, come on, like, let's get this, like, stopping still. Like, we're losing our patience because. She's never done that. <laughs> this is not our goddamn job. Yeah. <laughs> we do not get paid to do this. We are not good at it. Mm-hmm. And especially when it's your own kid, it's kind of like growing up playing sports i i hated it when i played on teams where like the coaches kids were on the team because they were always such dicks to their kids and oh the ki- yeah you know, they were it's true extra hard on I've them i always noticed that too and it's like you shouldn't coach your own kid you shouldn't teach your own kid <laughs> there's value in in having that line of that boundary of like i'm a parent i'm a teacher i'm a coach and uh i feel bad because our kids don't they don't get miss honey right now yeah they don't it sucks so, yeah, it is. That's hard. And the quarantine is like Miss Trunchbull. <laughs> well, we're not that bad. We're not chucking kids no, by their... No, we are not. Oh. I mean, COVID is yeah. Miss Trunchbull. We're not chucking kids by the... Well, yeah, no. no but COVID, COVID is basically is chucking, chucking kids. kids by their po- <laughs> their pigtails across fences and whatnot. Now you're with me. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, so those are good reasons why it's, a, it's very applicable. Yeah. And it was great to show this movie to our kids. Mm-hmm. So this is... I promise. Like, the next few episodes, we're going to do so many kids' movies. Because we've done well, a lot of kid movies in a row. Okay, but, but here's the thing, Tyler. The, yeah. kid, the movies we're going to remember the best from I know the that. late 80s and 90s are going to be movies that are appropriate for how old we were at the time. I know, time. and we, listen, we've done plenty of those. I'm just saying we've done a lot in a row. <laughs> it's true. It's because it's like, we're trying to watch movies that our kids can also watch. We had to finish that animal theme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most animal movies are kids. Kid movies. So. Roar was not, though. <laughs> no, don't Roar, watch that with do your children. Do not watch Roar with your children. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so I, to, them watching it though, they they really enjoyed it, which I was for. That's when you know it's a good movie when a 1996 movie now in 2020 can hold the attention of three little kids. Yeah, they. I think that's just my chair squeaking. Oh, you're squeaking. Yeah, Sorry. no, they. Oh, that was terrifying. Mark the time. Oh my god, that was so scary. You heard a bang or something. So, you know when you're like in your house and it's late at night and you're an adult, so you shouldn't get scared by things, and then it's really quiet and then you hear like something clang in the garage? Because that's just what fucking happened. A big clang in the garage and it scared the shit out of us. Yeah, it did. Which is funny because as old millennials, it's weird. We're like full grown-ass adults Mm -hmm. and we're parents of four kids, and yet I still get scared of shit like that, man. Yeah. 
So I want. So we've been re- recording, but I do want to say out loud while we're recording, just in case if there's someone out there that I have my gun in my hand, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Just saying. I mean, where we live, that's a that's a common thing. It's it, people don't break into houses here. They do break into cars. Look at my hand. I'm holding a gun. <laughs> oh my god. It's loaded. Sure. It is. Anyway, so. Um, I don't even remember what we're talking about, but that's okay. What we do need to talk about next is what did Roger say about this movie? Oh, okay. Roger who? Roger Ebert. (laughs) What did Roger say? I don't want to talk too much about it because I haven't read his full article here, but uh, how many stars do you think he gave it out of four? Three. He did. Did you see it on my screen? No. Such a cheater. I didn't cheat. So. He starts out his article with, I actually, I guess I don't know Roald Dahl. I know a couple of his books. Did you not read this book? I didn't. I don't think I did. Okay. I don't think I read this particular but one. But he starts his his column off with saying, Roald Dahl was, by all accounts, a singularly unpleasant person. Oh, I don't know that. I did not know that either. Mm-hmm. Which may explain why he wrote stories that are so fascinating to children. He nursed the grudges of childhood. Mm. He distrusted adults, and he was unmoved by false sentimentality. Kids may not feel cuddled by his books, but they sense Dahl is the real thing. He's writing out of strong emotion and not just to be cute. Okay, so I think that this is a good point to talk about, because you asked me, like, oh, it didn't do very well. Yeah. I think there's a reason for that. Roald Dahl is... I think book-wise, especially, and people love Charlie and Chocolate Factory, but that's exactly right. Like, they're not um, touchy-feely in a lot of ways, um, a lot of stories anyway. Like, the, you usually have to get through some work or, you know, you think about James and the Giant Peach and think about that stop-motion animation, which is just reminiscent of Nightmare Before Christmas, the same kind of thing. And it just, there's just, there's just, it's not coddling to kids, number one. Number two, Danny DeVito is a very distinct kind of director, um, and you can definitely tell from this and like he made, uh, I think after this, he made Death to Smoochie, which is a very similarly made movie, Duplex, which is not very good. And he mm-hmm. made some other movies, War of the Roses, I think before that. He shoots this in a very, and I, it must be in the trailers too, a little bit. Like there's a lot of extreme close ups. There's a lot of discomfort. There's a lot of like they, they linger on the grotesque a little bit, like Miss Turnbull, is it shot in big extreme close-ups with their teeth out and it's just in your face mm-hmm. a little bit. And I think that that is not necessarily in the 90s when Disney is, you know, king. Yeah. And we, you know, we like the sentimentality of the kids' movies and people want to bring their kids to movies that are like, feel good. This is not that. Yeah. Not really. It has a different edge to it. And I think kids probably respond to it really well. Yeah. But maybe parents know, don't know to want to bring that or they they see the image of Danny DeVito being this terrible dad and they see that aspect in the trailers and think like maybe not maybe maybe this isn't for our kids that would be my guess yeah I mean because even in Roger Ebert's review he says it is a dark dark family comedy about stupid parents cruel teachers and a brave little girl and it's no surprise to find that Danny DeVito not only stars but directed it He's basically saying, like, this is not, um, Matilda is not in any sense a children's movie. Not really, and, but, other than the fanciful parts, which are, which is a weird, yes. it's an awkward dichotomy, I think. 
What I like how he ends it here is he says, DeVito, because he's talking about his directing, seems to vibrate on the same wavelength as Roald Dahl. Matilda doesn't condescend to children. It doesn't sentimental sentimentalize. Mm-hmm. And as a result, it feels heartfelt and sincere. It's funny, too. Well, I think that that's why kids respond to it, is that it is... Our family loved it. Yeah, they did, and I think a lot of people do, and I think that's why it holds up, too, which we, I don't know if we've necessarily revealed this, that we think this movie is still very oh, good. Oh, I feel like I've yeah. revealed it definitely holds up. But it is weird, and it, it, I, it it's a good thing that it has that tone, because some of the visuals are weird like just like the very the visual of this te- this principal tossing this girl over a fence and the way that she lands is very fanciful and there's a lot of that in the movie right and it yeah. it would it would land a lot harder if you weren't charmed by Mara Wilson in particular and just She's kind great. of the yeah. if the, the, there's other elements here that were out of place all that stuff would come off really awkward mm-hmm. and in this case it just kind of feels like oh it's all dull it's a little bit out of the ordinary it's a little bit of outside the real world but the harshness feels true oddly even though we would you would never there would never be a principal that would do this or put her put their kids in a in the pokey a torture pokey chamber the pokey but I think kids feel that way, though. They yes. feel that there are p- adults that do this, and maybe most kids have good teachers, don't get me wrong, but, uh, The principals you know, are scary. They can be, And yeah. in the 90s, principals were dicks. At least in the school district I went to, and the kids that I went to school with know which principals I'm talking about. Well, and I think the movie kind of works, also works for older kids, too, because when you get to middle school, you will find that, like, your vice principals especially are extra dickish because they've got to deal with the bad kids, yeah, they're right? they're in charge of disciplining. Yeah. And at, at that age and even high school, it's like you want to rebel against authority, so you're like, fuck this vice principal. Oh, yeah. He's a fucking dick. In, in, vi- <laughs> in middle school and high school, the principal in general at your school is kind of nice. Yeah. They're the ones that kind of are out, out frontward facing, but then if you ever see the vice principal, it's usually because you've done something wrong. Yeah, because you're in trouble, so you and I <laughs> yeah. knew our vice principals, didn't we? Uh, you know you know what? No, not really. Bullshit. I, I didn't. Ugh. I, I, I actually... Ours, and he was a twerpy well, little twerp. That makes sense for you. Middle school... Fuck you! Uh, middle school, I, I, I was never in trouble. Uh, actually, me neither in middle school. In high school, I was... I was less I got in a lot of trouble with my some of my teachers would be a mouthy, but they because what? I was because I was Shocking. also a good student, they just dealt with me. Sure. <laughs> right? For the most part. And then there's only a couple incidents which I'd rather not talk about that got me to the vice principal. I know office, I but... only met the vice principal with one incident, but you know. Oh, but even have then, you lived in but high no, school if even you don't know the vice principal. The, the, oddly though, the vice principal that everybody hated that uh, other kids who did real bad shit didn't like I got in, I'm not going to get into it, but I had to go down there, and he was kind of nice to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> Probably because he's nice to everyone. Maybe, but I didn't but, I didn't find like I was even in trouble. I was like, oh, I feel pretty good about this. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, okay, well, that could have gone a lot worse. He's like, well, you, you probably shouldn't do that. I'm like, okay, I won't. Thank you for like correcting me. <laughs> like It was. It went well. Yeah. I didn't get punished beyond the, the discussion, so I don't know. Done and now, done. The, now, on the other side of it, the principal, who's generally very nice... He actually, because of uh, my, uh, me and a couple other people in our senior year, we were in charge of our video announcements. Oh, and he really didn't like us because we kept uh, breaking the rules. <laughs> so, but we're not thinking we would get in real trouble la, for, but he did not like us. He really didn't like us, <laughs> but that's okay. Sure. I but he that. didn't seem like a bad guy. Sure. But he just didn't like us. Yeah. Anyway. So, Matilda. Matilda. 
I mean, yeah, this principle doesn't exist, but in a fantasized version of a child's perception of, of authority, these characters do exist. And I think for some kids, these parents exist as well. Mm-hmm. And I joke that we're like these parents. And in maybe some moments we are, but... But I think that's another reason why maybe other parents don't necessarily, at least in the 90s, would take their kids to this, because maybe that seems like it would be a little too close to home or maybe I don't want parents that are like that. I, I, it's either two ways. Like they don't want to feel like maybe they made some mistakes or they don't want their kids to think that there are horrible people out there or that's a or bad thing. Or that they thing. can challenge their authority. Because part of this movie is about Matilda rebelling and yeah. finally pushing back on some of the horrible behavior that they, they give to her. Yeah. There's a pivotal moment in the story where, um, Matilda asks her father why he's doing something, and he says, because bad people deserve to be punished. Right. And and the it's weird, because Danny DeVito's also narrating it, and he's like, and this is where he what he meant to say was bad children deserve to be punished. Mm-hmm. So Matilda took it as like, if you're bad, then I can punish you. And so then she starts going through a few scenes where she does things to basically punish her dad. But nothing too bad. It's like uh, bleaching the, his hair, which it goes blonde. and Gluing uh, his hat to his head. Which is all pretty good stuff. But like, yeah, and this kind of switches off when at one point he says like the, the parts like, I'm smart, you're dumb. I'm big, I'm big you're, you're little. Small. You're, yeah, I'm right, you're wrong. And the, the the principal repeats this later in the movie when it becomes a big moment. Um, so there's that. And then, yeah, because Danny DeVito is this car salesman and he's not only inattentive to his kids and watching TV all the time. Oh, he's like, you can't. What are you going to learn from a, a book that you can't learn twice as fast from TV, right? And, I mean, he's kind of not wrong about that. I, uh, we were watching that, I was like, this is you, Tyler. You, you're always like, ah, movies over I books. Read, I read more than you. You're always like movies over books. Movies. I like movies than over books. books because I like a story that is told succinctly. I also like how they like always eat in front of the TV. Mm-hmm. And I think all real families out there sometimes do it anyway. We are we're a mix. We do a both. We eat a table. Yeah, we eat but sometimes it, our kids are like, TV. "Can we eat at the dinner table?" And we're like, "No, we want to watch a show." Well, some and then some days they're like, oh, "We want to watch Property Brothers." And I'm like, "We will sit around the table and say what we're thankful for." Yeah, so we go back and forth. Although lately it's been a lot of TV watching because we're so the whole day is just we spend so much time with them. We're just like, "Fuck, just be quiet, just shut <laughs> up." Let's watch. For Drew 20 and minutes. Jonathan rebuild this house the same way they rebuild oh every God. other house. So we have been watching so much property. <laughs> Didn't we already talk about this on an yes, episode? But I just want to mention this. I was reading Paddington Bear mm-hmm. to the kids tonight before bed. And in the book, mm-hmm. uh, Paddington goes home with a family and there's a brother named Jonathan. And our five-year-old Sawyer <laughs> goes, Jonathan, he's in he's in the Property Brothers show. <laughs> and I was like, uh, we might be watching too much Property Brothers. Well, we couldn't go back and watch old seasons, though, because two of our kids couldn't get over the fact that they had, like, different hair. Like, that's not what Jonathan's okay, supposed to look like. We didn't go back two seasons We ago. went to season we went to one. season one, yeah. and it was like, he had, like, bleached streaked. It was bad. It was so bad. Are they too famous that they could, uh, we can't, like, tweet at them and they'll reply? Oh, for sure. They're too famous now? Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, do we talk about Jonathan and Drew like they're, like they're members of the family? Yes. Our kids yes, do. we do. I don't, but that's the rest of you do. So, yeah, we're like the Matilda family in the way that we will sit around and watch TV. Not every night. Just sometimes. Just, um, just most of the nights. Not, well, no, we, used to, we were doing pretty good where we wouldn't do that during, like, normal times. I feel like you're afraid that we're I'm making us come off like terrible parents right No, you usually just make me come off as terrible, and you somehow always come up unscathed, but that's oh, okay. Oh, is that how that works? Yeah, Roll the tapes, people. I'm, like, I'm a, you're, you're so mean to me, is what you say. 
Um, so what I love, uh, another thing related to that, mm-hmm. when she's she's finding her identity as she starts standing up to them. Like, right. it, and I think as a kid, it's so, it can feel like you don't have a voice. It can feel like your parents are just out there to get you, that they don't understand you, that they just want to make your life miserable. So I think this is a very good, like, wish fulfillment kids movie in the way that it's like, God, it would be amazing if I could punish my parents when they're mean to me. And it would be amazing if I could have the superpower where I could move things with my mind, which the character discovers she has. Right. She's such a genius. So... And it, what the lesson too is that it's, it's that knowledge is empowering because she is learning these things and she's being creative in her retaliation or being creative. There's a point where Mrs. when she meets Mrs. Honey and they, Miss Honey, Miss Honey, sorry. Uh, well, we, we haven't really gotten into her storyline with Miss, the, the principal, but she's got to go recover a doll and the, Miss Honey says, you can't, you can't go in, you promised me you won't go into that house again or whatever. Well, she crafts a way to do what she needs to do yeah. without breaking she, her promise. She kept her word. Knowledge she is did empowering. Not go into the house, right? So I, I like that about, about that, and I like um, I like how the movie is structured. Like it starts with the family, then it kind of grows from there, and like where she ends up, kind of her resolution and her character becoming even more empowered. It kind of grows outside of the family unit because. The, the parents are somewhat irredeemable in that they're never going to change, really, their right. behavior. Yep. He's a shoddy car salesman. He's selling stolen car parts. We find that out. And what I like about Matilda is that she is punishing him with pranks, mm-hmm. but is protecting him from getting pull, like getting the cops on him. Because there's two cops. One's Paul Rubens. Um, <laughs> yeah. So weird to see. Randomly, right? And um, they... They, 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 the the parents think they're like boat salesmen or something like yeah. that. And every like every time they bring them up, Matilda's like they're cops, Dad. They're cops, Dad. <laughs> like don't talk to them; they're cops. And then yeah. she even protects them later when they're trying to snoop around the garage, and she actually gets yeah, them out like, of here. She's like, you better have a warrant to be breaking in. And right. then they're like, whatever. And then she starts like moving stuff around the garage so they can get to it. She does protect him. It's like she's giving him plenty of chances to redeem himself. Right. Which he fails to... Fails to do at do. every turn. Um, to the point where but that's okay, because Matilda actually has a backup plan for that as well, as we learned in the last scene of the movie. So, so it works good. out really well. Now, we can talk about Miss uh, Miss Honey and Miss Turnbull, or we can... Trunchbull. Trunchbull. What do I keep... I keep saying Turnbull. Every... Yeah, it's trunch. Like trunchbull. crunch, but trunch. Turnbull. I must be... There must be another Turnbull that I know that I keep yeah, saying Yeah, is it played by Rosie O'Donnell? Maybe. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> What are those balls that she would throw? Those little like they're shot put balls. No, no, no. Oh, I thought on you the Rosie O'Donnell God, show. God, stick to the fucking focus. <laughs> stick to the focus. fucking focus. Focus, Elliot. Okay, I wanted to say <laughs> that is. I want to ask you this question very seriously. Okay, is this a prequel to X Men? I mean, you kept saying that she's Jean. Uh, is this a Jean Grey story? In which case, I am very worried for Miss Honey and everybody else, and and for Matilda because I think this is a timeline of a potential story of a Jean Grey, but it doesn't necessarily mean that in this timeline she becomes Phoenix. Okay, because she can move things with her mind. She develops the power. She can. She's got. She can't mind read. That's that's Jean Grey. She can't read people's minds, but she can move things. Yeah. And I'm just saying. It don't work she's out young. for Jean Grey very well. Well, yeah, she's got other shit going on. She's psychic and all other stuff, and that she clearly was really powerful. But maybe we don't know that. Maybe Matilda too gets into a lot more of her powers because, I mean, yeah, she's moving a little little things here and there, and 
and then she's able to kind of like move a bunch of shit and like mm-hmm. haunt the house at the of the principal and haunt the classroom and do all this crazy yeah. stuff. I mean, it yeah. gets pretty powerful over the course of the movie. Yeah. But I'm just worried about what happens after that. Well, like, I it, think maybe if she had stayed with her current parents, she definitely would have become Jean Grey. But on this timeline, she gets adopted by Miss Honey. Okay, because I was going to say, like, doesn't Jean Grey, I don't know, that might just be in a movie where, like, what if she didn't get those adoption papers signed and she's in the car with them and then she just psychically uh, crashes the car? Yeah, yeah that yeah. definitely happens on a different timeline. Roald Dahl's dark, man. I don't know. He, he <laughs> could have done that. He is dark. He could have done that. Although still not as dark as... Uh, Innocent little Stuart Little, the movie, when they're talking about oh, uh, <laughs> murder the, the of parents, the, the mur- murdered parents, and then like the file of grisly murders that the one pr- the one police officer said. Okay, so yeah, it's a Jean Grey story. So now the other thing that I I remember I was saying I I remember this movie pretty well once we started playing, but I, one thing I kind of forgot was this angle of Miss Honey is a teacher at the school. The school is run by this horrible principal. She's awful. She hates children. The reason that Danny DeVito, like, she goes and gets a car and she just, they feel like-minded, so of course he sends her to this... By the way, they thought that she wasn't going to go to school. They thought she was still four when she was, in fact, six and a half. (laughs) That was funny. But even then, they're like, who's going to pick up the packages if you go to school? But see, she got annoying enough that they had to go send her to get some of this structure at school, right? Um, But the principal, Trunchbull... Mm-hmm. Trunchbull? Yes. We learn. I this is the completely escaped me. They have a relationship. Miss Honey, work, you're like, why would this great teacher work at this horrible school? Well, it's because they're related, or they're Miss Trunchbull is her aunt, and she had a wonderful father. This is kind of a sad story. She lost her mom. Father's around taking care of her. Miss Trunchbull comes comes in. in to help with Miss Honey. Mm-hmm. And then the father mysteriously dies. And it's suggested that she's offed him. Yeah. It's not explicit, but they make some suggestions and then uh Matilda uses that information to scare the crap out of her later and say like you are basically confirming that she did off him. Yeah. So she got him killed to get the house or whatever or didn't want to deal with it and then she had to grow up with this horrible person and then still as an adult decided to hang around and teach at this school. That's a little to bit strange. To protect other children from her. Yeah. So this is M Beth. The actress's name is M Beth Davis, right? She is uh familiar. She's very familiar. She actually looks like another actress that I keep thinking of, but I know that she's in other things too. Um, Every time I see her in something, I'm like, "Oh, it's Miss Honey." Yeah. And so, Beth Davids. Yeah, she's good. She I like her. The 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 principal's very well cast too, and I the name her name escapes me, but she's pretty consistently been working for a while. I can't think I can't find her name. Anyway, uh John Lovitz is on TV for about 4 seconds in this movie as a game show host. Did you watch The Amazing Spider-Man 2? Yeah, she's the... the um, she's Mary Parker. Peter Parker's parents in that terrible... Uh, not terrible, but that whole storyline of... Like, we don't need to have Peter Parker's She was Peter in eight episodes of Mad Men. Yeah, yeah. As she's Rebecca in, Price. Yeah, she's been in some stuff. So, yeah. Uh, I like her. She's good. She's perfect in this role. I always think... It's, she doesn't look like Hope Davis, but every time I think of her, it just like makes me think of Hope Davis for some Get reason. Get out of here. I just like Hope Davis. Okay. You're what is the other lady who's in Twister that is... Stop! Focus on the movie! No, what... I'm telling you, she looks like that, though. She looks like the girl, the late... Not Helen Hunt. The the lady that Bill Paxton is gonna marry. She's like, cows! We've got cows! Oh, I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember Yeah, she name. looks like her. We did a, our very first episode of this podcast on Twister, by the way. Go back and listen to that one. Probably doesn't have great audio, but you could still listen to it. 
Um, I don't know. I I I like this movie. It it gets into pretty crazy uh, mutant X Men uh, telekinesis stuff later or moving stuff, so that's fun. Um, I like the little girls in this movie. One, I like, like you said earlier, the four-year-old Ma- actress who played Matilda. Yeah, I like that character. And then when Matilda's first day at school, she meets, like, this little black girl. And she is so cute. She has these big, thick-ass glasses on. Mm-hmm. So cute. And the little braids. Oh, my God, so cute. And then there's this other little little white girl with bleach blonde hair who looks like your childhood oh, friend. Yeah. So she looks... Uh, the girl, like, the poor girl that gets her pigtails pulled and thrown over the yes. fence. She actually looks like a childhood friend of mine. Yes. Um, she, I mean, that's what she looked like. Just like that when we were growing up. And we grew up all through all through high school together. Yes. So Those little girls were so cute in that movie. Should I say her name? Her name was Rochelle. How about yes. that? Hi, Rochelle. She doesn't listen. Probably. Probably not. <laughs> Silly. She's too busy being cool and whatever. I'm not saying anything. Neg- I, I'm, by the way, I'm not saying anything negative about her. She's just she is cool and she's doing cool things. Doesn't have time to listen to this podcast. I'm guessing that's all I'm saying. Trunchbull was played by Pam Ferris. Yep. She's been in some stuff. Has she? Yeah. She's not. I don't this think is, I'd this is her, her. This is her main. This was her big thing. Um. What else was I going to say about Matilda that I thought was interesting? Cute little kids. I like the cute little kids. The pokey. Oh, what? There is a scene where we get um, Matilda's power in another way is that she encourages this incident with this other boy who is snuck some cake from the principal. Oh, yeah, the cake scene. And she then therefore forces uh, this poor kid to come up on stage during an assembly and consume a giant cake. And she's supposed like to like a giant cake, like like five feet wide. It's meant to be a punishment, but um, the other Matilda leads this uh, encouragement to get him to eat it and be successful and prove that he can do it. And he feels empowered by that, and therefore it leads to the other kids feeling empowered to stand up to this horrible monster later in the movie. Mm-hmm. And in that kid is I don't know the actor's name, but I. I had to look him up because he's very familiar, very familiar-looking kid, and he has one other very notable movie role, uh, and that is the boy at a bar mitzvah in The Wedding Singer, who Adam Sandler gets Drew Barrymore to go and dance with him, and he puts his hands on her butt. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's a pretty memorable uh, memorable scene there. So oh, that's just two years yeah. later, 1998. Is his name Roy? I don't know. Movie? I don't know, but that's who it is, is that kid. R. I recognize Rob? the kid. I don't know. Just telling you, that's what the kid. Was he also in a Christmas story in the Brady Bunch? What? No, that seems like he would be too. too he Christmas story came out in '83. There's no way that kid was like acting. Who's this? Was a baby. Who is this then? Not that. Not that. Hmm. Maybe he was the baby. I don't know. Was there a baby in a Christmas story? I that, don't remember. This picture of him. I don't know who he was in the movie then of Matilda. I, do, I don't know. Pictures. I was able to look him up. I don't know. Born it's a kid from Wedding Singer. Born in 72, that, definitely. That's not him. Who, who, what guy was that? I don't remember there even being... Oh, the brother, probably. Well, maybe. Well, he was older, too, though. He wasn't that much older, though. He was only, like, 13, maybe, in the movie. see some more pictures. That ain't gonna... That guy not gonna fly. Well, 70... Maybe it was. Not sure. Anyway, I don't know. Sorry for Off that. Off on our tangent. But yeah, Matilda. I don't know. It's so good. I liked... Quite a bit this time. Yeah, it's so good. I'm going to make you buy it on Amazon because our kids also really liked it, and it's heartwarming and good, and it still holds <laughs> up, and it's funny, and even as a grown ass adult, I still feel like celebratory when Matilda like triumphs. 
Yeah, she. I mean, it's it. She's got a couple moments where yeah, she haunts the house when she's trying to get escape from. Uh, well, her and Miss Honey are trying to get a doll that she had taken from her a long time ago, and they have this kind of tense scene where she's uh, trying to hunt them down where in the house, but then she goes back and gets it by and then haunting the house, and then she confronts the teacher again because she finds the ribbon, and she's able to kind of scare her off. Although not without, even though she was scared for being like, you know, she's thinking that the ghost of the man that she murdered has come back. She's still very aggressive and tries to physically assault all these children. Yeah, it's insane. But she drives off and, or she's never to be seen from it again. And and then, of course, what we were referring to at the end was uh, the police are finally after. They realize that the boat salesmen are not boat salesmen, that they're on the run. Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman are having to take off. And it's time to go. And she's, Matilda's with Miss Honey. And it's like, no, we got to go. Get in the car, honey. She's like, no, I don't want to go. It's okay. I have, you don't want, you, you don't want me anyway. I've got these, uh, adoption papers, uh, yes. ready to go. Miss Honey could adopt me. And, the, and then they're like, she doesn't want you. She's like, oh, Miss I Honey's do. like, oh no, I definitely do. And she's like, oh great. I have the papers. They're in my backpack. Yeah. She's had this plan ready for a long time. Yeah. I really the like legal that. documentation all prepped, ready to go. Yep. So I, yeah, it's a fun end of the movie, I think, and it gives you that heartwarming moment. So that's, I mean, all, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is kind of rough too. Like there's some things that happen, and they have to go through the struggle, but then you do get this triumphant moment at the end, and that's what's Matilda gets as well. Mm-hmm. And Mara Wilson is very key to this. She's just. Um, I mean, she's just a perfect, like, cute little girl. And it works. And it worked in Miracle on 34th Street. And it worked in Mrs. Doubtfire. She really had a run. And apparently, so she's now, um, you know, an adult. She's mm-hmm. like our age. Mm-hmm. She wrote a book. And apparently, I don't really, I'm not really on Twitter, but I'm told that she's also very cool on Twitter. Oh. Like, she's just a cool person. And that I mean, she's not, she, she kind she of retired from acting. Name, so, she know. retired from, she doesn't act, but she's like an author now and she's apparently just cool. So there you go. I don't know. I can't confirm that because I'm not really on Twitter, but apparently she's cool. Good for her for being cool. And normal. Like she's not, uh, but she wasn't destroyed by being a, a, a movie star as a child, totally. I, I guess. So that's also a good thing. Maybe in her book she describes why she is, or maybe she went through a period. I don't know, but apparently sources tell me. And by sources, I just mean a couple people that I know that are on Twitter more say that she's cool. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. Matilda. Do you have anything else to say about Matilda? I do not, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Check us out on all the things. If you know what those little balls that Rosie O'Donnell threw at the screen, they're like the little squishy now, balls. No, I closed my computer. I could have Googled No, tell it for a fan you. or a reader or a listener to write in or something. Tell us what those things were. Write in and we'll send you a picture of one of those. <laughs> oh, what a prize. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll send you one of those. And I was like, nah. Quarantine. And they're stringy. I was trying to think of the word stringy. Like a bunch of stringy, like rubbery stringies. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, you're going to get it. Oh. You're going to get it. Oh, my God. Okay, we're not ending the podcast until I get this. There's a bunch of those little rubber stringies. Stringy rubber ball. Google will know what I'm talking about. Stringy rubber ball. I couldn't think of the word stringy earlier, but that's what it is. A bunch of stringy rubber balls. Didn't she throw those? Are they called like push football? Foosball? No, it's not a foosball. Cush. Cush ball. Cush ball. It's a cush ball. Cush ball. All right. Man, I'm so good. Now, now that I'm talking it out, I'm not entirely sure that Rosie O'Donnell threw cush balls. It could be something else. You're but such. A I dick. couldn't think of cush ball. This right? Cush ball. Yes, that's it. Ah, oh, fuck! You better put a picture of one of those on the on the episode. You know I won't. <laughs> okay, guys. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk at you another movie. I'm waving goodbye now.
Kush ball.